Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jesse Moore, and welcome to Icon Leadership Podcast, where we're here to make good leaders great. Today on our show, we have Stuart Illing. He's a hospitality operations professional who currently is involved in a venture with two other partners called Vantage Wine Club. Hello, Stuart, man. How are you doing today? And so well, Jesse. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Tell me a little something about uh, what you're doing. Well, currently, uh, my expertise is paired with two other industry professionals uh, in helping the Vantage Wine Club begin in Waco, hopefully spread throughout the state of Texas and beyond. Uh, we are wine experts, and the orientation of the club is for members to have a say in what great or fine wines they have access to through us and pricing that is mostly unbeatable. It's pretty exciting. Right. So tell me about the uh, hospitality operations. Uh. Well, I started as a manager in a downtown restaurant in Waco in 2009. I'd been a service uh, member as a bartender and a waiter in high school and college. And being a manager, um, just kind of put my coaching experience and skills uh, to use in the restaurant context, having been a uh, club athlete and a college athlete. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of adages. There's a lot of, you know, phraseology that, that not only serves you well being a teammate, uh, but certainly serves you well being a, how would you say, a supportive manager versus pressureful manager. And uh, I feel like I really honed that approach or begin to hone that approach in that restaurant group. Sure. So tell me, so, so you were a, you're in sports. What, what were you playing? Uh, I grew up playing club hockey and soccer, and then I played collegiate soccer and used a final year of eligibility to kick on the football team. So sure. I got to start and end a sport in college. It was fantastic. Right. So did you do any coaching afterwards? or I coached while I was in college, okay. youth soccer and youth hockey. The okay. hockey was a select level hockey in South Dakota. And then I did get to be an assistant women's college soccer coach for one year at that same school as well. Wow, awesome. Yeah. So tell me, tell me, how did uh, leadership uh, come into effect with that? Well, certainly leading by example, whether it was being prepared, being on time, it's kind of the same thing. Um, and then, you know, how I spoke to players in our context of mm -hmm. soccer and then outside of it as a student athlete alongside them. Um, was real important, and just I just needed to be integral and purposeful in all those interactions. Right. So tell me, so so 
you were a, a you were assistant coach, mm-hmm. and you had and you still played soccer in in college. Am I, am I correct? So tell me about your coaches. You know, how did they uh, mold you into uh, you know the guy that you are now, or, or did that help at all? Well, they certainly encouraged I and my teammates to be a part of the youth soccer community because we were soccer players and could be leaders to those young people just from that position in relation to them. Right. Um, But along with that, our coaches were very demanding and very excited about our accomplishments, whether they were a part of winning or winning itself. So we had a pretty winning culture. We went to nationals for NAIA two years. It was wonderful. Sure, sure. sure. So tell me, let's let's go back to the restaurant industry because, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I started out uh, in the restaurant industry, you know, leading in the restaurant industry. So tell me, how was that for you? Well, it was, it was challenging because not only was there pressure because it was a business, mm-hmm. but there was pressure because uh, when you're doing something and confident that you can do it, you're also making comparisons, or I was, of what I could have been doing with my time. Where I'd moved to Texas to coach, I had shifted into restaurant management as I'd fallen in love and was starting a family, aspiring to be married. So there was just more pressure in a slightly less playful way or a less no big deal if we don't accomplish our goals scenario. It was, it was very serious as I saw it. Right. Right. So you're saying that you're, you're, so did that happen when you're, when you started being a manager in the restaurant or or just when you moved back to Texas? Um, I certainly had a more serious and mature outlook toward maybe my self in a role when I was managing in the restaurants and then beyond the hotel, the country club, then being a coach, even though I was very serious about fulfilling the role toward the families being a coach, again, it was just, just seemed more serious for being in a business context versus a, you know, development slash competitive context for coaching. Right, right, right. So, and so still when you jumped off, when you jumped into the restaurant industry, it's still competitive. Oh, yeah. Especially, yeah, right, right. So being a great leader doesn't have, you uh, doesn't just have one skill set. You know, you have to have several skill sets, you know, to become, a, uh, you know, a, an effective leader, you know. So tell me, tell me about some of those. Well, um, I'm a good communicator in terms of I think I speak clearly and respectfully, and I think I listen well and supplement that with notes. Um, I believe that a leader in a you know uh, an activity context like coaching or a business context like managing an operation um, takes some setting of the tone and some planning on how to do that. So I I took pride in setting a positive tone again hand in hand with communication. And then, you know, leading by example as a coach certainly um, carried over into the restaurant context for people buying into the tone with which we did the work, the quality level and sincerity with which we talked to each other and our guests. Um, I I was often and and many times over uh, judged to be an effective leader by way of how I treated people and carried myself amidst. Sure, sure, sure. You know, in this world of leadership, you know, you can't ignore, you know, the power of active listening, you know, and communication skills, you know, because that's very important, mm-hmm. you know, uh, so you can ensure that your team, your team members, you know, feel, you know, heard and make sure that they know that they make a difference. Included, yeah. Right, included. That, that's, a, uh, that's a big deal, you know. So also, you know, uh, it's a sign of respect, you know, that you have for your team members, you know, um, 
that clear communication is always, always effective. You know, one of the things on my uh, eval was about communication. You know, how can I communicate better with my staff? You know, and so uh, one of the worst things you can do is think you com- communicated with your staff and you didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, you thought they understood what you were saying, but they didn't. That's 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 a that's a rough thing. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, you know, there's a disagreement, you know, uh, that will happen in your in your area. You know, if it gets out of hand, you know, you need to defuse it mm-hmm. you know, a, lot, a lot of times, you know. So when there's a disagreement on your team, you know, how do you manage that? Well, we know friction happens when people are trying at something and believing they're contributing to a common goal. And so, you know, rarely uh, does someone start butting heads with someone else from some of that friction because they want to be abrasive and detracting from the good energy going towards the goal. It usually happens from just a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you got to take that step sideways to take a step forward. You got to take a moment, get people together, actively listen to what each person perceives as, you know, correct about their approach and then, you know, offer some clarification. And if you've been respectful and direct and consistent in how you talk to your staff members, usually you've earned some credibility as a person who clarifies things and mm-hmm. offers direction, leads, mm-hmm. uh, to have them accept what you'd like them to take on as the new understanding from having talked through it, and then how we're going to function as individuals as a part of a team working toward a goal. Um, it, it can be hard to be real patient with something like that when it happens in the midst of your operations. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, you spend the right amount of time to get it right. And usually you can go forward much more smoothly, sometimes even with renewed and better trust and respect earned for it having been given because, you know, they're people and you got to believe they're trying to do their best. They're there on your team for a reason. If you had a hand in hiring them, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. And, but you said something that's very important. Uh, if you had a hand in hiring them. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you know, uh you're you're dealt the hand, you know, sure. <laughs> you know that that you had no no way of, you know, right. <laughs> you know way of uh, uh controlling, you know. And so then you end up with these people that, you know, what, hey, they might have been good for another manager, but they're not fitting into your, you know, your chemistry with your with this team here. A lot of times you have to pull uh your staff, you know, side uh, one, away from one another, mm-hmm. you know, so you can get two you know, both sides of the story, because if both of them are together, you're not going to get anything solved. Mm-hmm. You know, am I right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. You need yeah. the efficiency of being able to listen to them one-on-one and then maybe bring them back together for that yeah. going forward. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, you know, that way everybody can speak clearly and everybody had their chance to, you know, to be heard. <laughs> be heard. Absolutely. Yes. So as, as a leader in an organization, you know, in a restaurant business, you know, it's common to, you know, uh, address performance issues. How do you address performance issues? Well, uh, it's similar to the skeletal conversational approach that I've taken to almost every team that I've been uh, a level of leader towards. You start with what was right. You you go into what was less right, what was wrong, or what needs correcting. You then talk about how we fix it and hopefully go forward with some good energy for having sent a clear message. Uh, So for that, in the coaching context, it's similar when you're addressing a staff member. You talk about the types of things that you value uh, in their work, maybe even introduce with how nice it is to see them each day or how you appreciate how they treat someone, whether it's a coworker or a a guest. Uh, Talk about some of the areas that you think 
for an overall shift or day or service experience could be attended to by them to bring about that improvement. Um, and then hope that you've been direct enough uh, where they take that away and, and can act on it. And then you can inspect what you expect over time. Because, you know, delegating or giving that type of feedback uh, has limited value unless you follow up on it. So tell me, so when you're at work and so you have to, so there's the kitchen, you know, if you have a bar area, you know, you have to take care of that. You know, you have to take care of the waitress, you have to take care of the bus boys and stuff like that. So tell me, how do you, how do you, you manage uh, the kitchen different from, you know, from the, from the bus boys? Uh, Just tell me, how do you, you know, what do you do about that? How do you manage that? So all your members of the different sides of a business are parallel to the families that have their kiddos that make up your, your select soccer team, as it were, for my, one of my experienced examples, in that the more you communicate with any of them towards defining their expectation of their own experience, I'm going to go to this practice, I'm going to go to this game, I'm going to go to my shift, I'm going to clock in, I'm going to do prepare execute, clean up, go home. The more you can form that person or that, so that employee or that family's uh, expectation, the better poised you are as a leader, as a coach to deliver on the experience that you've helped them possess as their expectations. So I've spoken with colleagues in a coaching context, and I've certainly spoken to superiors, peers, and subordinates in supervisory levels toward how important anywhere from onboarding to anytime you have a lineup, like a pre-shift is in being in, in, in their understanding and their success uh, relative to how direct concise, um, maybe even a little bit memorable with some humor or, mm-hmm. you know, an allusion to something that already has value and people are buying in. Um, and that not only goes well with tone and with culture, but, um, I think that you, you set people up to succeed all the more so. Plus, it's the right responsibility position for the leader to be in and saying, hey, this is how we're going to go about things and it's going to be great and it's going to feel good to be done and go home. Right, right. So tell me about this culture. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my, um, my definition, and I have a lot of personal definitions of things, Um, So my definition of of culture is accomplished by just relaying an ABC acronym. So I've done a lot of my hiring. I've done a lot of my training and I've done a lot of my training, the trainers to then train my teammates um, or my subordinates. You you're really I'm really looking for good attitudes. So experientially, I, I gravitate towards people who have already spent time creating and putting forth activities for the benefit and or enjoyment of others. So. That would work for a person who would coach kids with or for me. That would work certainly for a, a staff member I'm hiring into a service context. So that type of experience often goes hand in hand with a really good attitude. Attitude is the uh, antecedent to behavior. So what I'm doing is going to be impacted by the lens through which I perceive myself, my surroundings, my job. So the better attitude possessing people I can accomplish having around me, right. the more likely I am to have really good behaviors coming from them. Right. And again, I bear the responsibility for defining their expectations <clears throat> and then the experiences that we can create. And so lastly, the way I finish that is your culture 
are the behaviors that come from the people whose attitudes you're responsible for having there. And I like to say that culture possesses buoyancy. So if you have a strong culture, when things are going difficultly, for whatever reason, you're busy, you're understaffed, all of those things are present, it'll, it'll hold you up. You've got some common understanding with your peers, you've got some understanding with your teammates, and as, that, as the going becomes tough, you are tougher to go through it because you all have that common outlook, that culture. Right. And I, I find that uh, I've, that's been a really good guide and I, I, uh, for me in building a team or looking at a team and thinking, what do we need to address? Uh, and again, that's, that's kind of skeletal for me, you know? Great. That's, that, that leads me to my next question. So tell me about your approach uh, when, you're, when, you're, when you have to delegate, you know, something. So <clears throat> in my experience, delegating is the only way to get out from under a very large workload, whether it's because you're successful as a business and it's all planned work or you are degrees of successful as a business and there's more demand than you anticipated. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's so necessary to really clearly communicate your expectations. And then from my experience, I'm more supportive in my touching base than I am pressureful. And I think a lot of the people that have worked with me in that type of relationship where I'm their, their supervisor or, or one of the team leaders, um, I think they would agree because it's more on, you know, let's, we, have, we, can, we, how can I help versus have you, did you, where are we at? You know, it's, right. I think a lot of people who have been in, in leadership roles could tell the difference between support or pressure. Right, right. So therefore, you know, uh, you know, when I have to delegate something, I consider the person, mm -hmm. you know, consider the person. I, I see, uh, I make sure that they have the skills, you know, to do what I'm asking them to do. Sure. And I also make sure that they can handle the task you know, with their workload because they have their own work to do. So I make sure that they are okay with taking on another task. Sure. Sometimes if you don't do that, you're setting them up for what? For failure. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do not want to do with your staff. Yeah. You know, plus then they feel like they're overworked and they can't give it 100%. And you always want 100%, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You don't want opposite momentum and for right. careful consideration, you can make the right choice in who you delegate something toward. Right. Yeah. You don't want them to overly commit. Yeah. So tell me, uh, so when a member of your team, you know, presents an idea to you, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, respond to that idea? Well, as long as it's in an appropriate context, you know, there's times where somebody could talk uphill and you'd say, ah, you know, we need to follow up at another time with this. Right. Maybe represent a misfocus, uh, saying that it qualifies as the right appropriate time. Um, you know, how you regard the person with your posture, with your wording, with your tone is important because someone is kind of putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. If they're speaking to someone uh, in leadership role in relation to theirs about something that matters to them, whether it's a change, an improvement, or a new idea. Um, I write a lot of things down in front of people because I think the impression it makes on them is, well, you know, he's going to revisit that. Um, so... I think just, you know, being respectful, golden rule applies, you know, treat them how you'd want to be treated. Mm -hmm. uh, again, as long as it, it makes sense um, in that immediate context. Right. So, yeah. So sometimes, you know, you have to, they, they come up to you and they have these plans, you know, some of them are just like way out there, you know, these ideas that are way out there. And then some of them, you know, Hey, you mm -hmm. know, 
that's a great idea. You right. know, let me get back with you. You know, so write it down. I always tell them to write it down, mm-hmm. give it to me, and let me go back over it. And I get, I say, I'm not saying yes, and I'm not saying no. So right. don't get disappointed. You know. Yeah, we're similar in that way. There's some, there's some validation and some respect, and and at least taking down the information where it's available to be revisited. So, uh, what do you think is the most important, most important in uh, creating a positive culture on the job? Well, yeah. <clears throat> I've heard it said, and I agree with it. Um, the phrase "do as I say, not as I do" is not very serving to a leader. So I don't think I think you need to be uh, always caring about maintaining and growing your credibility hand in hand with how you conduct yourselves. Uh, maybe with emphasis when you're in view of people that uh, you know have a, a an opinion of your role, whether they work for you or you are a leader in the service operation, they're enjoying, you know, maybe being a, a guest within. Um, I've liked the phrase in my experience of a fishbowl mentality. Serve uh, or carry yourself, pardon me, as though people could see and hear you all the time, whether you're aware of it or not. Um, I think that uh, I think that sets people up to have a, a, a self-awareness and a conscientiousness that hopefully keeps them from acting in a way that, you know, brings about behavior or consequence that they, they wouldn't necessarily want to or be able to hang their hat on in that work context. Right. So you get a person, okay, and they, they're questioning you and they're, you know, and everything that you say, mm-hmm. they're questioning you, uh, you know, so, so at what point do you, at what point do you just say, look, man, because I said, you know, do you find yourself like that <laughs> ever? Tell me the truth. <laughs> uh, pretty infrequently. And I think that's uh, uh, just like a testament to the accuracy with which how I carry myself in relation to speaking about carrying myself. Um, I have had some instances as a manager where staff members of mine, to me came off as kind of uncomfortable in their role. And so they maybe were frustrated by things, uh, frustrated, frustratable by requests that are kind of a little bit more than what's already expected to be put upon them in their shift. Um, and you know, I, uh, I believe in giving people, uh, an experience in a progressive disciplinary policy. If the way that they abrade against what we're doing uh, you know, is the equivalent of you know, insubordination or, or maybe they're just going against the grain of the standards. So mm-hmm. like at a nice restaurant, everybody's got to be dressed nice, right, all the details. And uh, I think it's important for any age adult to experience a leader like me, you know, addressing them with a verbal warning towards something that's deficient. And then maybe for my own purposes, it's documented. Then a documented warning for an instance that happens, you know, real close to the first instance. I'm letting them know that if this deficient behavior, and at that point I can address it if I think it's attitude-based, um, continues that, you know, they'll be, they'll be met with additional warnings towards the behavior and possible termination. Um, I, have, I have one experience where a gentleman was very kind of uh, verbally, aggressive about how he was going to grow in his role and in the business. And it was kind of off-putting to these other team members. And so as I was addressing it with him, I was also, believe it or not, keeping my ear to the ground on, 
you know, are there other opportunities for this gentleman? I'm not trying to fire him, but he's not comfortable. He's making other people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I can be helpful in, in just hearing if there's something that he can apply himself to without feeling like I got to go over these younger servers. I got, I got to be the bartender. Uh, I, I absolutely found the guy a job in a company. And then when that company started not meeting his needs, I actually referred him to another job and he's been in the industry to which I referred him ever since he's uh, I, I talked to him last week and he said amazingly nice things to me. I was really thankful to hear that from us. Like, man, I haven't talked to you in a long time, but I haven't forgot you. Oh yeah. I'm real. I'm real proud of how that went because I, I could just see how he was acting. I was like, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just don't think he's very comfortable in this environment. Right. So it was nice for something to come along and to connect the dots, you know? So he was, he was outgrowing the circle. Oh man. Basically. Quick, quickly. Quickly. You have, yeah. you get those, you get yeah. those sometime and man, they just take off. You and know? he had aptitude, but yeah. he did not feel good. I mean, you could just, I could see how uncomfortable he was right. trying to work as hard as he could in that environment. He's been very successful ever right. since. It's We're amazing. Good. Yeah. good. Moving back to this, uh, this positive culture, you know, in my opinion, the, the most important factor when you, uh, when you want to have, when you want to have, or when you want to create a positive culture is, uh, recognition. So tell me about, you know, a recognition program that you've, you know, uh, mm. taken over. Uh. So I, I am one of the leaders that even for being talkative and friendly, I'm a little bit more stoic in the service context than maybe I am in a soccer context or a family, family hanging out context. And that's hand in hand with setting the tone and, and regarding the work as important and worthy of us being kind of serious toward it. Um, so I, I say that because I've benefited from having some very bubbly staff members that were able to be an echo toward the message and the standards I wanted sent out on a daily basis in our, in our, you know, specific culture, whether it was the restaurants or the club or the hotel. So I have rarely been the one with a fistful of candy reinforcing the right answers to questions by giving my staff pieces of candy. But man, I've had a bunch of managers that would do that. And I think that, you know, from, from little uh, pets or little rewards like that toward, you know, being knowledgeable and being uh, fantastic in your presentation of self before service. Uh, we also had a, a manager once who made a, um, what was it called? It was like a, a yay board or it was, a, it was just a, a kudos board. That's actually what she called it. And so she would just write things that people had been doing great. And we had a column kind of like the Paris Hilton style, what's hot, what's not. And just, you know, lots of things that were fun, sure. but actually applied to the work we were doing. Right. And I think that when your teammates in a leadership uh, circle complement your ability to be relatable to your staff, um, that helps me with the way I carry myself naturally and, and purposefully. Right. Um, so I, I directly haven't done a whole lot of that, but man, I like having managers that work with me who, right. who can bring that. You know? But you know, sometimes, you know, we don't have it all together, you oh, know, no, that's right. so, but a lot of times we have, we can get what, what we call at work stolen ideas, mm-hmm. you know, and so that helps you, you can, you can steal an idea from this person, that oh, person yeah. from this company, you know, and then you just bring it back and implement it on your job, you mm-hmm. know, and then, Hey man, everybody's happy. Yep. You know, that's another step, you know, of recognition, you know, so tell me over the time, over the time, How's your, uh, how has your leadership, you know, style changed or has it changed at all? Um, 
I think I'm, I mean, I know I'm really confident at finding out what needs to be done, whether it's with a week outlook or an hour's outlook. So I think that my, my confidence toward we can do whatever's in front of us, uh, respective of any of the business contexts I've gotten to lead in, um, that's only gotten stronger. Um, I think I'm probably a little bit less intense in general. Um, but I think that's because I've gotten to be so conversational and thorough in the, the, the conversations that relay my expectations that that tone can kind of carry, carry on even in, in environment or in, in situations where, you know, 10 years ago I might've been even straighter faced and even a little bit firmer. Right. Right. So, yeah, I get it. I get it, man. Because when I was younger, you know, when I was younger, you know, I used to be, man, look, whatever I say, you know, it it had to go. You know, I wasn't no bending, you know, but now, you know, in my older days, you know, so now I'm just kind of a little bit more lenient, you know. Uh, I become more open minded, you know, to what people, you know, um, have to say, you know, and uh, I began gathering, you know, a lot of insight from my from my team. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I listen to them and I let them make the decisions. Uh, before, you know, when I was younger, I used to make all the decisions. Yeah, yeah. And so in uh, a good leader is not going to make all the decisions anyway. He's going to talk to his staff, you know, and, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. What do that, you think? That, that's you know? how you help people grow. Yeah. Asking their input yeah. and then spending the time to listen or sure. write it down. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that, that's an instance uh, for respect where you get what you give there. Right. Right. And so, you know, you know, I have a lot of styles and I, each person has a, you know, you have to use a different style of management on each person, you know, so I blend all of those aspects together, you know, to, Mm -hmm. uh, to make myself a more efficient and effective uh, leader, you know, overall. Mm -hmm. Stuart, what's the last uh, book you read? Uh, The last book I read was, I reread, I'd read it the first time, um, 212 Degrees. I think that's the, the number that's on the title of the book. It's about uh, what, what steps it takes to get people to take action. And the title of the book is oriented with the temperature that water goes from being so hot that it actually changes from water to steam. And it was, uh, I first encountered that book through a friend's father. The first time I worked at the country club, and then the second time working at the club, I reread it. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm real receptive to uh, my, my CMAA emails that I get, even though I'm no longer a, man, a member of the Club Managers Association. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't get to read enough novels for leisure. So it'd, it'd right. be nice if it had been a you know, like a, a recreational book. But right. It was, it was definitely management oriented. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. I get it. So tell me, man, what do you, or what motivates you about being a manager? Well, uh, truly I, I can parallel it with life. I, I want to live a, uh, a life where I've made the experiences for myself and those I love better for my actual you know, investment of my time, energy and, and, and planning and love. And so in being a leader in a, in a sports context or an operations context, 
know, I just want to make the best memories I can, uh, but, you know, not selfishly with, in terms of, uh, you know, do the, do the best I can in that context with the people that are going to be there with me. And I, I think it's funny to say it that way because as a restaurant manager or a hospitality manager, you're probably ready for one call in a day. So <laughs> I'm yeah, ready absolutely. for everybody to be here with me. <laughs> and if you're not here, well, hey, we're still going to go. You know, just, <laughs> right. just uh, you know, that, that good energy in and, and get good experiences out. Yeah. What advice would you give the next generation leader? Well, this is the only piece of advice that I give people, uh, especially in a work context. More often than not, they didn't ask for it. I say, grow your experience with being comfortable being busy. Because the more comfortable you can be being busy, it's more likely you can grow into doing more. And, you know, as we get older, we all start to hope to be less busy. So absolutely. it's that full circle being introduced yeah. to them, you know? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Stuart, I sure appreciate you, man, uh, oh, for being you. on the show Pleasure is today. Mine. That's all, folks. Thank you for listening to the Icon Leadership Podcast. We're here to make great leaders great. You can find the show anywhere you get your podcast. You can find us at roguemedianetwork.com or you can email us at iconleadership at gmail.com or our website, which is iconleadership.org.